What if everything you thought you knew about the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases wasn't true? What if the mainstream media was too corrupt and compromised to tell you about it? Join a veteran Buffalo City detective, a veteran Canadian Pacific Police captain, and a veteran NCIS special agent, along with special guests as they dissect the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases from their perspective in an unedited podcast focusing on crime, corruption, and media bias. It's Search Warrant, a new podcast coming right at you. It's Search Warrant, and we're back. This is John Snedden, veteran NCIS special agent. Our co-hosts, Detective Anna Midlars and Police Captain Tom Purcell, are on the road today promoting Tom's book, The Art of the Dog, which is available on Amazon and at other book retailers. Our guest today is the author of a five-part series entitled Reconsidering Sandusky which appeared in the uh, Tribune Democrat newspaper out of uh, Johnstown, PA. Uh, Reverend Joe Staines, the author of the series, is a graduate of Duke University, where he received a bachelor's degree in religion and mathematics, an awesome combination uh, that would be enlightening to know more about, but not right now, and a master's degree in divinity. And he is currently the pastor at the uh, Mount Hope United Methodist Church. Um, uh, Reverend Staines, uh, welcome to Search Warrant. Thank you. It's good to be bored. And going through the uh, your five part series, it's very interesting, and uh, I really want to get our uh, audience to uh, read it again. It's the uh, reconsidering Sandusky uh, series that appears in the. Uh, Tribune Democrat. Um, I, I think the website is what Trib Dem or something like that. I think that's right. Yes. Okay. If you Google uh, Joe Staines and reconsidering Sandusky, it'll come up on a. I know it came up for me. Can you tell us how you even became to uh, learn of this case? Oh sure. Well, <clears throat> of course, and. Being a resident of Pennsylvania, it was even more intense when this uh, story broke back in 2011. And um, so we were inundated constantly with headlines and changes. And you turn on the TV, you hear from this state college right away. And so it caught everybody's attention. And I think uh, probably what caught me especially, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a dedicated fan of sports, but I follow it more or less uh, in, along the line uh, of living. And uh, I think I knew of, um, of Paterno and Sandusky. <clears throat> I knew Paterno's reputation uh, and I knew Sandusky's reputation too. And uh, when this story started to break, it just, like a lot of people, I think it struck me as uh, first of all, shocking and also, given that I'd known them through the years, or at least known of them through the years, it sounded, frankly, out of character for both of them. And uh, when when uh, heads began to roll, uh, I just was curious, how could this be? And uh, I guess I've, 
at first I followed uh, Paterno a little more closely. I, like a lot of people, just assumed they knew what they were talking about with Sandusky. Uh, in retrospect, I wouldn't feel that way now, but I did then. Uh, but but when they said things like, uh, well, he was doing this to protect the, the uh, football program, that just uh, that didn't sound like the paterno I'd heard about through the years. And so I began to read a lot of articles on the web, on in newspapers and so forth, trying to figure out how I could ever put this together, how this happened. And I started to come to the conclusion that uh, he was not protecting his football program uh, in the sense that people said that he was. In fact, after all, uh, <clears throat> if you know the history of it, uh, Paterno in, in the time in 1990, well, the mid 90s, the late 90s, he was really uh, not a fan at that point of Sandusky. He would not have uh, protected him from anything. Uh, he was planning to uh, turn him loose. And uh, it just didn't make sense that uh, he would protect him. In fact, by the time the uh, the incident in the shower that's so famous happened. Uh, he was, Sandusky retired for several years, but Turner had no investment in the man. Uh, it just didn't make sense. So I kept reading these things and uh, in the process, uh, it began to emerge the McQuarrie situation, uh, the McQuarrie accusation of the boy in the shower and so forth. And the more I read, the more irregularities uh, build up. Uh, it just didn't make sense that uh, this even happened in, in the way people said it was. And of course, we know now that it was uh, really um, a forged uh, statement that was put in a paper. He never said what he, we were told he said to the grand jury, and it was leaked, which is illegal. Uh, that struck me as uh, pretty strange. Why would Why would prosecutors... Uh, confident in the case, pull a stunt like that. Yes, exactly. And uh, the more I read, the more I thought, there's something just doesn't fit in this whole episode. So I started probably with an eye to an irregularity between Paterno's track records and, uh, and the accusation against him. But when the, when the McQuarrie episode kept developing, I began to get suspicious of that. And somewhere in my reading, uh, I picked up the uh, that uh, Mr. Pendergrass, Mark Pendergrass, it turns out, um, had written a book that unpacked that pretty thoroughly. And I really ordered the book uh, from Amazon uh, to read on the McCreary episode. I still believed at that point in time that uh, Sandusky was guilty, and I really didn't want to read uh, the details uh, in the book. But once I started the book, I found it was so well documented and so well presented, I read it cover to cover. And uh, that really converted me uh, to understand that it's not just that uh, they messed up on McQuarrie and Sandusky, but they messed up on McQuarrie and Paterno. They messed up on Sandusky uh, gravely, uh, radically. Yes, sir. Um, now, at the time that you were reading uh, 
Mark Pendergrast's book, um, and if, if I have this correct, the, the title of his book is uh, The Most Hated Man in America, Jerry Sandusky and the Rush to Judgment. Exactly. Um, yeah. So at that time and prior to that, when you were trying to determine what the circumstances were in this case, did you have any personal knowledge of Jerry Sandusky or uh, Joe Paterno? Or was no. it uh, at, the, at the time that you uh, ma started making your uh, inquiries? Oh, no, I was just uh, a person on the sidelines uh, looking at people based on their reputations and what people published. I, I had no contact at all with any of these people. Um, I understand. Now, you, um, so you, you have a curiosity about this case. You subsequently come to the conclusion yourself that there are significant inconsistencies in this case. Well, that's right. That's okay. right. And then, and then you uh, have occasion to read uh, Mark Pendergrast's uh, book, "The Most Hated Man in America," Jerry Sandusky, "The Rush to Judgment." Um, at what point after that was it? Shortly after that, that you decided that you would uh, write a series for the the Tribune Democrat. Well, it was later than that because uh, I think I read the book. Actually, probably in early, I want to say 18. And um, I think the book was published in 17. I think I read it in early 18. And actually, the, the Tribune Democratic articles uh, were not produced until uh, the beginning of 2020. Oh, OK. Yeah. So it had been quite a while, really. And of course, I began to read seven several other people like Mark's, uh, Ralph Cipriano and uh, uh, I heard about you. I, I'd read a little bit too of John Ziegler's stuff. Uh, uh, so I sort of broadened the base of what I was uh, checking on. And um, it, it was not really, I mean, I used the material uh, that I gathered in uh, some letters to the editor during 2018-2020, but uh, I did not uh, write it until the beginning of 2020. Okay. Um, now, how did that, you know, again, I don't want to go into the uh, details of your articles. I, I really want our audience to, you know, it's not difficult to type in the internet, Joe Staines, reconsidering Sandusky, and they can read it for themselves and make their own determination relative to what you're written. But how did you go about getting that published in the newspaper? Well, um, the um, the editor, the ch editor in chief of the, of the paper started a, uh, a community um, committee to help evaluate the paper's development as the seasons rolled on. And I ended up on that committee, I think possibly because he knew that my view of that was different from the conventional and actually clearly different from his because he'd written editorials about it uh, over the years as well. But um, I think 
probably the fact that I was on the committee and we had had some constructive conversations. When I, uh, I responded, I think, to, uh, to the Malcolm Gladwell book when it came out, and I thought this is a good time going into the 10th anniversary year. And uh, of course, that was a year away, but- Yeah, now the, the, the uh, Malcolm Gladwell book, is that the- uh, Talking, talking to, to Strangers? Yes. Talking to Strangers? Okay. Yes. So uh, I thought with that book's recently re recent release, and the fact that the Wall Street Journal had just covered uh, a, a pretty good review, I think, and that actually, uh, from what I understand, the Wall Street Journal challenged him on uh, his timidity regarding uh, Sandusky's innocence. And uh, between that and the fact that we were going to approach the 10th anniversary of all this uh, controversy, I thought it would be a good time to write the article. And I think probably, uh, I don't know what the uh, editor's mind was, but I think he just gave me the benefit of the doubt that uh, it was worth a risk. Okay, and um, now it's a five. It was a five-part series, right? That's right. So, did it appear like once every week or once a month, or how did that work? Do you remember? Well, it was. Uh, it was not once a week. Uh, he did it almost daily. Wow. Yeah, uh, he might have missed one day in a six-day span or something, or skipped a weekend or something like that, but. Basically, the whole article series was out within a week and a half. Okay. Now, um, Reverend Staines, in your profession, have and uh, I know when we were speaking before, you have um, connections to other, you know, service community service organizations or activities. Um, have you run across any circumstances where there were allegate in the in in your position in in your position as a a reverend and uh, you know community service uh, organizations that you serve, have you had occasion to run into uh, al be confronted by allegations of you know individuals in your in your uh, congregation or individuals connected with the service organizations that you participate? with yes oh yes i've uh, of course it comes up time to time probably in any active parish but and <clears throat> uh in a couple areas it showed up uh once well one of my uh pastoral activities you might say extracurricular pastoral activities i ran uh, a wilderness canoe camp uh for about 25 years and uh you know, you train staff, you train them to work with the the campers that come. And uh, I did have a case where the head of the camping program, to which I answered, had a rumor passed on to her that one of that somebody in my program uh, had behaved wrongly uh, toward a young person. And uh, so that, of course, raised a, a red flag for her. She and I discussed the possibility. She decided that she knew who the person was because it was, it was between me and, and him. 
and uh, she decided she knew me too well to think it was me. So uh, she assumed that it was him who had behaved wrongly. And uh, she began to put her pressure on under that assumption that uh, he had to go. He had to leave my program and leave our, our outdoor program altogether. Um, that was a tough time because, uh, you know, I, I defended him. I said, I don't think this is true. I actually talked to him when I thought, when I realized what his suspicions were. Right. I, straightforwardly, you know, have you ever had any problems? Have you had things happen? It's, it's, he, as expected, said no. But um, then she put the pressure on saying, you got rid of him or I'm going to drop your program. Well, that raised the stakes for me. Yeah. So I said to her, where did this rumor come from? And at first she didn't tell me. Then she did eventually she said, if you call this person, you can follow through. So I did. I con contacted the uh, her lead and it turned out that he had heard a rumor. He didn't know uh, all he heard that was part of the program. He did not hear when. But when he described exactly what happened, I recognized the occasion and it was from 17 years before. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. Yeah, it, it was it was an older uh, staff member who had 17 years before uh, didn't understand boundaries and uh, he had since retired and the staff member being accused under my guidance was an elementary child when that happened. So, oh my God. yeah, so uh, so once I traced it down and I could establish when it was what happened, then I went back to the camp leader and I said, look, you better back off because if you don't, you're going to ruin an innocent man's life. You might ruin an innocent man's career in the ministry and it's not deserved. It's, it's not even remotely related to him, even though she was sure it was. Uh, I was able to present the facts and uh, she backed down and eventually he became uh, more involved rather than less. Oh, great. Okay. So, you know, that just what you described is kind of like a microcosm of the uh, Sandusky case in that you've got a rumor, uh, despite the fact that prosecution running with the rumor has no evidence, uh, concrete evidence that act actually took place. Uh, and then you have the alleged accuser telling the prosecution, no, that's not what happened. I mean, that's. You know, yeah. it's like a, a small microcosm of what uh, what occurred with uh, uh, Jerry Sandusky. And uh, yes. although there wasn't uh, 500 million media trucks uh, at the camp, I take right. it. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so, well, that's very interesting. So you've had you've had experience with those kind of allegations and you're inquisitive enough to determine what the facts are. We have to do that. One almost always has to do that. Yeah, you you know, you'd think on a larger scale, you'd have a lot more people looking at the facts, um, which clearly, I mean, they, as as Mark Pendergrass puts in, you know, in the title of his book, you know, you've got uh, Rush to Judgment. Uh, you know, it doesn't... Uh, there's no absolutely no indication that the media ever checked the facts. No, it's it's strange when the uh, 
the bombshell that hit the uh, media was the uh, uh, really uh, the allegation that supposedly uh, came from Mike McQuarrie, and actually did it, it did not. It came from someone who drafted uh, something that he did not say, attributed it to him, and then released it, leaked it to the press. Those are both illegal be behaviors, and that's really where people's starting point was. And you're kind of you're. Are you referring to the grand jury secrecy violations? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay. And and uh, you know, Penn State really at that point, I don't know why they didn't say what a thousand people have said in in similar cases over the years. We're thank you for that information. We are going to investigate. Please withhold judgment until we can set up the investigation. Nobody ever said that. And somehow it took a life of its own and, and ran. Somebody who was smart enough to see that should have spoken up. And yeah. uh, I don't know how it failed to happen. Uh, it, it was, I have ideas, but. Uh, I don't know how it failed to happen. That's how people in the organization would do that. They'd say, okay, we're going to slow down. We're going to investigate. We're going to check both sides of it and the sources and see where this leads us. Yeah, you know, I, I have said repeatedly, you know, why would somebody just act without uh, verifying any kind of uh, factual information? Um, you know, you sit back, take a breath, and say, "What, what, what actually is going on here?" Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. But there's no indication that any anybody ever did that. Not even in the uh, police investigation. From and Pendergrass lays it out so well. Uh, the whole dimension of the story that is not covered in the court case. He shares that. Uh, when the police began investigating, they began with uh, a word that we have a victim who won't cooperate. They assumed for that point that that he was already uh, determined as guilty. And the purpose of a police investigation really should be to determine the facts and then decide. In their case, they seem to just assume that that was already established. And then they decided that what the, their job was, was to build a case any way they could. And yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you have, uh, now, when you did your series of mm -hmm. articles, when, when did the, um, now, was there any kind of feedback? I take it that there were comments on your, articles right is that yes right? yes there were and and how were they running i mean were people did it did it spark people's uh curiosity you know to find out more about it uh some people it did um <clears throat> people who spoke directly to me spoke uh affirmatively and uh, with with sparked interest i've heard i heard from some folks who said I had no idea that was going on underneath the surface. Um, and uh, but uh, of course, the the editor heard some other things. And uh, 
he reported that uh, the the word that came to the paper was about even 50-50 that they some were really supportive and some were really against. Uh, the paper also has a Facebook page and uh, that was where the real fire started. Uh, there were people in that case who were uh, victims of a recent local case of uh, pedophilia and they seemed to feel that if uh, Sandusky were, were uh, considered possibly innocent and maybe his uh, accusers were not speaking forthrightly, that that somehow was a reflection on them too. And so they uh, went after the case. That, that became a little bit uh, harsh uh, on the Facebook page. I got on actively and uh, spoke to it pointed out something that a lot of people don't know and that is that they say eight accusers actually i i consider it to be five accusers because this uh, janitor story was uh, uh there was no victim involved in that uh victim six was 2000 or 1997 and he never claimed abuse he claimed grooming and uh, of course the uh, shower incident with McCreary uh, never had anyone called to the stand and the things he said uh, made it clear that he didn't think anything happened that night so you're down to five people yeah and uh, uh, three of the five said before they went into uh, the really uh, the police uh, sought them out three of the five said right up front even to the police i don't think jerry is guilty so when they say eight accusers you're really down to people who as they entered that process of being groomed and uh, uh, sought out by the police to get statements and in, uh, in, you know, uh, working against sandusky uh, of those eight named people are really only five and three of them said they didn't think he did anything anyway until they were exposed to to uh, uh well pressure from police inquiries and the uh the hired counselors that worked with them only two people only two at the beginning uh from the beginning were considered accusers and, and that was uh aaron fisher and victim five, uh, and they had gross inconsistencies in their testimony. So it's really not the case that it was made out to be. You did not have all these people piling on. Right, right. You know, I, I, I kind of, be, I've equated it before to, you know, it's a traumatic event. If it's, if it happened, it's a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of us um sadly well the most of us have been involved in car accidents and i i can tell you people that you know it's a traumatic event and they can remember everything yes <clears throat> in this circumstance as you've described uh you know you've got three guys that have uh inconsistent stories i mean i've had i've had rape cases where um you know the the rape victim if it's a credible 
um, you know, allegation, the story never changes. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, um, I've had uh, rape cases where the story has changed a lot. Um, and the next thing you know, uh, the excuse is that uh, either their parents found out or their their parent, their parents found out or their boyfriend found out or their friends found out and it was uh, fabricated. And, uh, you know, we subsequently uh, charged them with making a false statement. But, you know, again, uh, you know, the inconsistencies in their uh, uh, stories and, it, it, you know, mo all of them, all of their stories don't hold don't hold any water uh, as you've uh, have, as you've related. I mean, if you have a again, if you have a traumatic circumstance, you're going to remember it um, because it doesn't happen every day. It, you're not in a car accident every day. You're, you know, once in a while and, uh, you know, it's a traumatic event when it happens. Uh, you know, you're not going to forget it. But right. uh, at, as you uh, alluded to, there were um, that they said that they that nothing happened, and then they were uh, they spent some time with uh, therapists and attorneys, um, and subsequently changed their stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. And when you get into that arena, you're certainly talking about the. Uh, you know, the, the compensation, the monetary compensation involved, uh, which was astronomical. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, absolutely astronomical. Um, how far is Johnstown from State College, by the way, just so people have a... Oh, about with newer highways that, than when I was younger, it was about 75 minutes. About 75 minutes away. So... You know, uh, Penn State is a big, is a uh, a big institution on the on the horizon. Then, mm -hmm. sure. There, okay. Um, so now, the the uh, the editor of the Tribune Democrat, uh, what's his name? Chip somebody. Chip uh, Minnemeyer. Chip Minnemeyer. Right. Okay. Now he uh, wrote. A response again to your to your uh, series of articles uh, addressing some of the responses that they had received at the newspaper and in the Facebook page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and I read that, but I, I, you know, it's just it's mystifying to me that a newspaper like the Tribune Democrat. And, and and again, he's the editor, right? He's the main guy. Yeah. That, that's okay. Right. Okay. So, so you have a a circumstance where you bring to his attention and those of the readers uh, uh, significant inconsistencies in the entire case. Is that right? I think that's fair to say. Um, you would think an editor would, as a Opposed to dismissing that or just reporting the responses to it, 
you would think a, uh, a newspaper like that would have an investigative entity, an investigative reporter whose interest would be and curiosity would be piqued by that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. did they, did the newspaper then take what was clearly those inconsistencies and, and pursue them to see, to see what the story actually is? Uh, not that I can tell. Um, the, uh, his response, his uh, editorial response was that the editors of the paper uh, did not take the position that I took and they wanted the public to be clear about that. That was part of his article. So, and uh, uh, I, had, I had the impression, I don't know this, of course he had taken that stand uh, of, of Sandusky's guilt for several years. Actually, he took the same stand about Paterno, uh, which is mystifying to me, but anyway, um, he'd taken that stand for some time, so it was not too surprised that he did it again. I did get the impression, and I don't know this, I got the impression that uh, once the once the articles were published, that uh, the higher-ups in the uh, newspaper industry who owned the Tribune Democrat had some calls to him, and uh, I think that may have triggered his... Uh, and the editorial staff's position clearly stated that they did not share my opinion. Uh, I think as it happens across the country, there seems to be uh, a terrible fear of uh, taking up for Sandusky. And I I think they they might put the brakes on it uh, from higher up. I don't know that, but. You know, it's a, it's a problem when people just, I mean, going back, I mean, the media reported things that they never checked on. There was no uh, investigative watchdog in the in journalism to go back and say, hey, well, wait a minute. Is this true? Is this accurate? Is there any evidence to back up those claims? Um, and if they would have done that, would they would have realized that, no, there wasn't that it was inconsistent and uh, blown out of way out of proportion. Yeah, it's, uh, a, yeah. it's a shame I, it's happened before, you know, with uh, several cases that uh, have happened in a similar vein, like Richard Jewell's case. Yes, exactly. And, which was uh, micromanaged, incidentally, by Louis Free himself. Yeah, well. And... Uh, he was up. He was determined to get Richard Jewell in, in institutionalized, even when the eventual uh, culprit was found, tried, indicted, put in jail, confessed. He still wanted Richard Jewell to answer for that. I don't get what what was going through Free's mind, but uh, this happens from time to time. It happened with the Central Park Five, uh, with the rape in. Uh, uh, that's a very that's a very good point. Uh, so this this kind of thing happens well, from this, this, this. I, actually if I may just add to that the Covington uh, school kids the yeah. same thing with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I really don't that newspaper I I mean you know uh, I uh, you know they should be praised for um, uh, publishing your uh, your series uh, but you know 
if you're an inquisitive person as a reporter, you'd be, you'd be, uh, you know, that would that would make you want to think about what actually did happen, but they they haven't followed up on that. No, no. It seems that uh, the name Sandusky is toxic. And I, I don't get it because with the examples we've just named, Richard Jewell, Central Park Five, you have several more like that. Uh, there's uh, in Australia, the case of Lindy Chamberlain. Right. You, yeah, you know, when people it, see some terrible things that happen to innocent people because uh, they don't start with the premise of innocence, many people's lives are destroyed and not just the defendants. And we have so many precedents for it. Somebody should say, you know, let's look into this. What do they yeah. got to lose? Yeah. Well, you'd think that if it, it, you'd think it would pique the interest of any investigative reporter oh, that yeah. is inquisitive. And mm -hmm. that if you don't follow up on that, that it is a disservice to your subscribers, a disservice to your readers. Yes. I mean, you'd really want them to pursue that. I mean, obviously, there's a question. There are, in this case, there are numerous questions um, as to the credibility of everybody involved. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, motivations on the part of the prosecution. And as you said early on, why in God's name uh, would if if you have a clear cut case, why would the prosecution have to violate the law to acquire their intended goal? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think it's awesome that you wrote that series, and I certainly hope that uh, our readers will take the time um, uh, to read it. Again, it's uh, it appears in the uh, uh, Tribune, Tribune Democrat that's online that you can you can uh, um, make an inquiry for uh, uh, reconsidering Sandusky by Joe Staines. Again, it appeared in the uh, Tribune Democrat and, uh, you know, take the time to read it. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you did a terrific job in identifying you know, because, you know, you were inquisitive and uh, got the answers that you wanted well, by doing your own research. Well, that's we that's what I thrive on when there, I get interested in it. Oh, that's yeah. oh, that's awesome. Now, um, uh, Reverend Staines, do you have um, any plans to follow up on your series or? You know, how, how do you feel about following up on it? I'm uh, happy to do that. Uh, I don't have plans about it because uh, I don't know where it would be received and, uh, dis and disseminated. Um, I don't want to do it uh, without knowledge of what it might, how it might contribute. <clears throat> now I do, uh, I, I am considering trying to promote the, uh, the contact with law schools. Um, I think that uh, really Pendergrass book 
should be studied in law schools uh, across the country because it's a demonstration of what can happen. Also, you can get the, a, a more, you might say, objective point of view from a new venue than you got from the media and the Pennsylvania judicial system, the politicians, the press, who all have a, now a stake in upholding the myth. Yeah. And interestingly, the people who uh, who have pursued this, Mark and Ralph Cipriano and John Ziegler and Fred Cruz and yourself, Elizabeth Loftus, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, they didn't have so much to gain. They were really had it, had some risk involved. And by and large, they don't have any investment at all in Paterno or Penn State or, or uh, Sandusky. They simply are sparked by the irregularity and the wrongness of what has happened. Uh, the fact that people are investigating on, or upholding line on one hand, they have a stake in it. They all do. But the people who have challenged it, they have nothing to gain and they yeah. have risk involved. Uh, thank God for people who are willing to do that. Well, you know, that, that brings up a really good really good point. I mean, if you look at this case and the inconsistencies and the lack of evidence and the prosecutorial misconduct, I mean, it's an overall egregious miscarriage of justice. And you would think that the general public would realize that this, in fact, could happen to anybody. Yes, yes, <clears throat> it has. And again, when we mentioned like Richard Jewell and, and uh, some of those others, it has happened to someone. Right. Because they were, uh, people were trusted and allowed to run with whatever uh, theory they came up with, and people got hurt, and it, anyone could get hurt. Right. It's, right. it's, it's, it's and in this area, uh, in the area of uh, child molestation, which is so much on the news anymore, uh, appropriately so. Right. You're just doing just as much damage, allowing the guilty to be, well, I should say it the other way. You're allowing just as much damage, if not more, allowing the innocent to be punished as you are allowing the guilty get, to get away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. There, there certainly seems to be uh, significant uh, political motivations in the uh, in this case. I mean, have you examined uh, the Dr. Spanier's uh, aspect of it? You oh. know, his prosecution? Yes. What, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts well, on that? Well, he was so really so distant from the uh, episode. And after all, the episode turned out to be uh, uh, fictional. But he was so distant from the episode that uh, prosecuting him uh, doesn't really accomplish anything in terms of justice. If anything, these people that we talk about, you know, Graham Spanier, uh, Gary Schultz, Tim Curley, they were known throughout their lives as the, as the Boy Scouts of the administration. They were uh, seen as really hard-nosed people for cleanliness and doing it right. And now their lives have been uh, just besmirched unnecessarily. Uh, and I see... And I see in, in the starting uh, de development of the 
gubernatorial race, you know, Josh Shapiro is, is uh, using the line, you know, no man is above the law. And using that line, he's chasing Graham Spanier. Now, if he's saying, I'm going to get Graham Spanier and put that on my resume that I did it, if he really is interested in someone uh, being not above the law, why didn't he go after Dr. Drainov? Dr. Drainov heard the story of the boy in the shower the very night it happened. He took the same stance that Graham Spanier took, exactly the same. And yet he was never indicted. I don't think he should have been because he asked the right questions. He came to the right conclusion. But if he's saying uh, Graham Spanier is not above the law, I, I'm going to prove it and I'm going to put that on my resume, he could have done the same thing to Dr. Drainoff, but he didn't. He could have uh, opened an investigation uh, of who's not above the law that wrote the faked um, testimony for the, the grand, grand jury. jury presentment. Grand jury yes. presentment. Yes, right. He could have opened an investigation on uh, who leaked that to the press. Uh, if no one's above the law, why not pursue those three along with or in, in favor of chasing Graham Spanier around when he was three, four steps from the episode itself anyway? Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's a very succinct uh, a circumstance. It's really a matter of why is he not investigate? Well, I mean, it's obvious that it's political, but he should be investigating, uh, you know, grand jury secrecy violations versus an alleged misdemeanor that didn't pertain to Dr. Spanier. Um, you know, and there's and there's ample evidence of uh, the grand jury secrecy uh, violations that were documented by a former bureau agent that was working for uh, Louis Free. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, as as uh, um, reported by uh, Ralph Cipriano, the investigative reporter from uh, Philadelphia, uh, with his uh, with his website uh, BigTrial.net, BigTrial.net. But uh, he did a big uh, article on that, and it's. Uh, it's just appalling, and it it really paints a uh, political uh, motivational picture for this entire case. Yes. Um, well, uh, Reverend Staines, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us tonight. Um, it's an honor to speak with somebody that uh, took the time to uh, write a series on this on this case, and uh, it just. Uh, it, it's just mind-boggling that, uh, you know, it, it's great that the newspaper did that, but you would think that it would pique the curiosity of any investigative reporter associated with that newspaper to pursue it further and find out what really happened. That's right. And, and, and to pursue it personally, for that matter, because it could be any of us next. Yeah, exactly. And that the readers... Um, and the general public should really understand that this kind of uh, miscarriage of justice can happen to them. And they need to, um, you know, research it and understand what happened 
and make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, look at Richard Jewell. It took so long mm -hmm. for people to wake up. I mean, uh, you know, people need to wake up on this case as well. So now, um, if our uh, uh, if our listeners want to reach out and and uh, uh, contact you, how would they do that? Well, I I could go with my uh, email address. Uh, that's uh, lowercase of uh, uh, Joseph. Oh boy, I use it so rarely. <laughs> you uh, don't email yourself, right? That's right. But uh, it's uh, J.R. Staines um, one at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, okay. yeah, any and anything I can do to promote this uh, this cause, I'm prepared to do it. I do thank God that uh, the door is opened in the wake of the articles. Uh, yes. I, yes. I, I have no uh, contact. I had no knowledge of anyone in the Sandusky family uh, going through the articles. But in the wake of that, that uh, project, uh, I did get contact from the Sandusky family. And I'm able to uh, visit with them now and uh, share a, a matter of moral support, which, you know, there are people of faith. Yes. And they are... Uh, uh, very spontaneous. If they had something to hide, you could see through it. They're they're so relaxed, so spontaneous. They understand what they're up against now. I don't think they did at first, but uh, I've really found it uh, very gratifying to be able to at least help them and encourage them in their process. And uh, any doors that open, I'll walk through them if I can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Again, uh, greatly appreciate you you're taking the time to speak with us tonight. And, uh, um, you know, I hope that uh, the opportunity for you to expand on that series uh, uh, brings, you know, it comes to your uh, opportunity again. You have I another will. opportunity. Sure. So, um, sir, greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, well thank you. It's been a privilege to uh, work with you and, uh, and with all those who've been involved.